0: It's a choice of what we want to focus in on. Instead of saying, right. focusing on what are the executives doing? What is my boss doing either? What are even my coworkers am I, are doing? It's what do I want to focus on? No. It's a matter of where am I going to put really the lion's share of most of my focus?
1: Welcome to Improv is No Joke Podcast, where it is all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. Your host is Peter Margaritas, the man whose name is pronounced like a cocktail but spelled like an inflammation. Peter is the self proclaimed chief edutainment officer of his business, the Accidental Accountant. Peter's goal is to provide you with thought provoking interviews with business leaders. So you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 92. And my guest today is Mary Foley, who's known for her insights, candiness, and humor. Mary energizes women entrepreneurs with the clarity confidence, and tools to attract, engage, and win more clients. Mary began inspiring women after her 10-year career at AOL, and this is what AOL is, cool. Where she started as an $8 an hour customer service rep and rose to become the company's first head of corporate training. Today, she's an author, energizing keynote speaker, business mentor, host of Power Plug Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs, and a lover of red capes. Our conversation centers around her book, Bodacious Woman, outrageously in charge of your life and loving it. Her sense of humor and positive energy comes through every page. Yes, I did read it cover to cover and thoroughly enjoyed it, and I highly recommend it to everyone. Her stories encapsulate the principles of improvisation and the philosophy of yes and... And this is very evident in the story when she was working out at AOL's fitness center and she forgot to pack her work pants. That's right. She had no pants and had to go to work. After this episode, go visit her website, maryfoley.com, and learn more about Mary. And while you're there, you can purchase a copy of her book. Just a little hint. When you do that, she earns a greater profit margin or you can go to Amazon and buy it. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. Welcome, Mary. I'm so happy that you're able to join me on my podcast. I've been so looking forward to this interview. I I just finished your book, Audacious Woman, uh, Outrageously in Charge of Your Life and Loving It. And man, (laughs) one, Great read too. You've got a wonderful sense of humor, and uh, also a, a a fellow NSA, um, also a fellow NSA member uh, friend that I've just recently met back in Phoenix. So, Mary, thank you for joining me.
0: Well, it's great to be here. I'm I'm looking forward to it. And by the way, you have to say the title of the book: "Bodacious Woman, Outrageously in Charge of Your Life, and Loving It." Want to give that right emphasis, you know, and I think it's fantastic that as a man you read it and you got so much out of it and it made you laugh. I often say, if I don't make you laugh, uh, I just, you know, it's not good enough, and uh, or you weren't trying, but either way,
1: okay, (laughs) exactly one of the two. So I will put this up on the screen so everybody can see this. And actually, I marked specific pages in here because there's
0: yeah, your mileage may vary, may not come with all those sticky notes, okay. Exactly. So, Mary, give us give us a little bit about yourself. Tell us uh, how you
1: came about in, in writing this book and and, and becoming a a, a, a a speaker. That was terrible. A, 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 a speaker. <laughs> how, how, tell us how you how you went from an engineer, right. which I couldn't believe as I read this book that you were an engineer to where you are today.
0: Yeah, I know. A lot of people say, Mary, how did you go from uh, you know, engineering school. I graduated from Virginia Tech in industrial engineering at, to Whoa. becoming the head of corporate training for AOL when you just even started as an $8 an hour customer service rep at that company. And then now, of course, I'm, uh, I have my own company and I'm mentoring and I'm coaching women entrepreneurs. And I always, you know, here's, here's the truth of it, really. Is I had a detailed step-by-step plan that I executed without flaw. And if you believe that, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and and of course, I'm really only 35 years old and used to be a blonde. But here's the deal. (laughs) You know, none of us, I graduated from college like a lot of other people did. um, And I really know what I wanted to do with my life. I I did know one thing. I know what I didn't want to do. (laughs) That was for sure. I graduated an engineering degree. very proud of that. I earned every moment of that. But I also realized I didn't want to be an engineer after all of that. And, and it was something I could do, but it didn't really make my heart sing. It, and I thought, i want to find a career I loved. Although I didn't fill in the blank. I didn't know what that was. So I said, <laughs> okay, I got to be practical. I got to do something to just, you know, get a job, earn some money and pay some bills and get started. So what I decided to do was um, say, well, I don't know what I want to do. So where do I want to live? So I Moved from, I grew up in a small town in Virginia, went to Virginia Tech, which is also in a small town in Virginia, um, and said, I'm going to go to the big city to me, which was around Washington, D.C. area. So I moved there uh, and I was just looking for a job, any job to pay the bills. I found an $8 customer service job at the really small computer company uh, that was called Quantum Computer Services. And I thought wow. I'd stay there three months, you know, to find. I'd get in the area, look around um, and yes. figure out something more. Well, I really liked the company, at least I liked the vibe. You know, I'm 23 years old. Um, I'm not looking for the big corporate thing. This was like a dot-com feeling of a company in the late 80s, uh, before there was even that term. And I thought to myself, I really like this company. What can I do more here? Well, um, the... In, Training looked like it was. Now, I was a customer service rep. The company was not growing. Fortunately, uh, after a year, I hung out for a year, um, uh, a position opened up and I went for it. And I was in competition with some other really qualified people. And, you know, I thankfully, I look back and go, I'm so grateful I got that opportunity and became a trainer for customer service reps, a job I had been doing for a year. Um, That company, I thought I'd stay three months. As I said, I stayed 10 and a half years. They changed their name from Quantum Computer Services to AOL, became a global brand, went from about 120 employees to 12,000. And when I left 10 years later, a little over 10 years later, not only was it known as a global brand uh, and, of course, really brought AOL brought the Internet as we know it today to the masses, to everyone. And of course, people have taken it further from there. But to be part of that was an amazing experience. Uh, but I never would have predicted. But I realized if I want to create the career I want, let alone the life I want, I needed to get more bold, more gutsy. And that's where the word bodacious came into my life and became a personal rallying cry.
1: And you've also branded, you You refer in your book, um, just find. Uh, BOMOs.
0: BOMOs, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that stands for bodacious moment. So it's just a short version, you know. It's just, And it was this idea that kind of came out of being bodacious and, and taking, you know, being bold, taking some more risks, that type of thing. And there are moments that we all have, you know, small, medium, and large, where we know We've now taken a risk. We ask someone, hey, what do you think of this idea? You know, might be a boss, might be a client. We reach out, we find it. Hey, is it, You know, when, you're, when you have your business of your own or you're in sales, you're constantly doing that. You're not sure where it's going to land. You know, at first, it's really much more scary or it's certainly uncomfortable. Those are BOMOs. It, it also could be someone walks into your office Or, um, you know, it could be in a personal relationship, someone shows up and says something you're not expecting or brings a situation you're not, and you have a response that is like, all right, it is time to say, "Mm -mm, no, this is not going to happen this way, or this is what I think of it, and I'm not sure how that's going to land. Those are all BOMOs. So they can happen in our personal and our professional lives, small, medium, and large, but it was a way to go, you know what, we need to recognize those moments because it's in those moments when I believe you are being uh bodacious. Um, I like to say, you know, we all have a little bodaciousness, it's just a matter if we want to recognize it, nurture it, and let it grow. And BOMO's are a part of recognizing that moment.
1: So a couple of things because first I have to ask this question and I hope it doesn't embarrass you at all. But are you wearing pants today? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I do know, but what would be better for people listening today and watching? Do you really want to know or you want to hang on? I'll, let's, I'll answer that in a few minutes. How about that? And I'll just wait a little longer for that answer, okay? But I will say okay. there have been moments where uh, I did forget my pants and uh, had to improvise your specialty in the moment. It
1: was a BOMO of sorts. So, it was a moment of sort. So you want to share that now? Or we'll share that that story yeah, okay. here in a bit. All
0: right. So it, 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 you're right. It's one of those uh, stories that, yeah. You know, even my father today, you know, says <laughs> jokes about. You know, did you remember your pants? And he still thinks it's <laughs> hilarious that I would even share this story. Not only in print, but you know, and I'm in front of groups. But here's what happened. So uh, as I said, I was the head of corporate training for AOL, and there was this one moment where I had that i had I was responsible for training four hundred managers um in our company to go through these four training modules in four months I and mean, we the pressure was on it was a it was an aggressive time frame it was an aggressive uh mm-hmm. you know number of people and it was the the largest training management training initiative to date for the company okay and so I was you know I was kind of nervous. I was also just focused and, and, and I wanted to make sure the training design really hit the mark. And so I set up a bunch of meetings with some executives from different parts of the of the company to get their input uh, as I was finalizing the design. And again, I'm on this tight timeline to not only design but then to implement. So there was this one morning in particular where I had about three back-to-back meetings. And I remember the night before going, all right, you know, I got to make sure these go well. I was like, you know, hopefully nobody will cancel. That was the other thing, you know, because that was, that was easy to do. And I, I decided, all right, here's what I'm going to do. They kind of calm my nerves. I'm going to get up a little bit extra early, and I'm going to work out before my first meeting at 9 o'clock. And, you know, just to chill out. So I get up that next morning, I put uh, you know, I put on my workout clothes, I put my work clothes in my bag, and I had to work because we had a fitness center at the bottom uh, floor of this AOL building where I worked. So I work out, and you know, I'm feeling, okay, I'm glad I did this, you know, I'm a little more relaxed. I go into the locker room to change. I get out of the shower, my towel's wrapped around me, my hair is dripping wet. And I realized I have a big, big problem. I have no pants. was <laughs> like, ah, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, I thought on oh, my mental checklist on the way to work, oh, yeah, I got the pants. I've got, you know, I got every piece. But the reality was, those pants had not made it from the top of my bed into my bag. I thought, what am I going to do? I had 45 minutes until my first meeting. Now, I lived in the Washington, DC area. You know, anybody who lives in a metropolitan city knows you can't get anywhere in 45 minutes, let alone to change and come back. And I said, eh, you know, rescheduling any of these meetings would be like an act of God. So uh, again, my tight deadline. So I'm thinking, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And all of a sudden, I got an idea. I mean, I'm just thankful. It came across and I held on to it and I went, wait a minute. Let's see. I really, really want to do these meetings. And I said, all right, I'm going to go to these meetings with the only clothes I've got, which were these, of course, workout pants. You know, we know what those workout pants look like. And right. and this T-shirt that I had. And I thought, well, wait a minute. I'm wearing a T-shirt at the time. It was this gray T-shirt. It had a big XXL on it, kind of like a locker room jersey, you know? And And I thought, huh, okay, there's that. And... I was wearing, I had a lanyard, you know, because I was working in a corporation and the lanyard mm. had a big ID and it, it hung right. of And I put it around my neck and I'm like, this is like exactly, it looks like what a coach would have with a whistle. But, and I said, I've got this big locker, I got this locker room looking Jersey on. I said, I am the head of corporate training like a coach. So I said, that's it. And I so I got dressed as best I could. Fortunately, I will say a little caveat: all the women are wondering, like, how sweaty were you? It wasn't really what that sweaty because I did a lighter <laughs> workout versus a heavier one. But I, you know, I did my hair, my makeup, I got all dried off, and I walked into that first meeting. And I said, "All right, your head coach and trainer is here. Let's get started." And I kind of made a big kind of to do about it. But then I went, and I laughed. And then, you know, I sat down and we started in our meeting. And I did that for the first, the second, and the third meeting. And, and I, I walked away with what I needed for that training design. Now, about noon, I looked at my schedule and I went, I, I'm going to, I can go home and back now. So I'm going to change my clothes. So I did <laughs> that. And I'll tell you, though, Peter, when I, I was, you know, at home changing my clothes, I still felt a little stupid that I forgot my pants. But I also had a little smirk on my face and I said, you know, I didn't let that get a blocker in my day and become a barrier to what I wanted the most right then. And, uh, I thought to myself, you know, Mary, that's just a little bit of bodaciousness. And, um, so the most I got was memorable laugh, uh, and and a little teasing from one of my HR uh, colleagues who said, you really taking this casual dress code pretty seriously, aren't you? (laughs) And I, I I said, yes, but, So, so this was not the norm to walk around in, you know, short, like her pants and a t-shirt. But yet nobody stopped me and said, you had to go home. So I thought that was funny too. Uh, So that's, that's the story. I went to work without my pants Um, and I survived and got what I wanted. I, 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 I absolutely love
1: that story. And, and the, the part that I, it it was the, the, the improv, how you improv the whole thing, Mm -hmm. but you fully committed to the character. Which yeah. really sold it. You didn't come in and go head of corporate training. Hey, I left my. You didn't. You didn't make an excuse for it. No. You, you fully embraced the character, went in, and came up with a great idea and knocked it out of the park. I mean that that Thank that's a, you. It, that's, was,
0: it was truly a bomo because I was. was not. You know what I exuded was not necessarily everything I was feeling inside you know, there's a big part of me feeling inside that was like, oh my God, you know, I feel foolish. I feel kind of like an idiot here. And yet um, in that moment, I just, we're going to go in and I put on my little performance, you know, kind of cap Mm -hmm. and just for that, you know, whatever, how many seconds. And then I put on my, you know, basically my director of training cap. And I went, all right, let's get down to business. And it's funny, it was a real lesson learned that when you, it's almost like when you lead the conversation, When you say you set the tone and then you also, you know, it's laughter and then you direct it over, people follow. Most people will follow along. And, you know, nobody not only got hurt, they're like, okay, this is funny, ha ha. Okay, fine, we'll get down to business. And I think they're actually in a better mood. They all liked my training design. So I walked away with what I wanted and I was like, great, we don't have to change a whole lot. So that was good.
1: So, but but you said you you felt a little stupid. So as you write in your book, the, the good little girl was in there just screaming at you while you were doing this, wasn't she?
0: Oh my gosh, yes. So one of the things that I, I say in the book, and it really is a phrase that came to me in my own journey is, being a good girl isn't good enough. And the interesting thing is, since I've over time shared about that whole thing of trying to be a good girl, there's some men who have said, well, I don't call it a good boy necessarily, but this idea of, the expectation that you just go along um and it doesn't always serve you well particularly as a female you know we get a lot of little girls get the message and a lot of women said they could relate oh be a good girl be nice you know play fair or just play nice be a good girl just be a good girl that's a good girl what happens so you know as kids and a little you know kids you want to please your teacher can say that your parents can say that uh, any adult and you go, okay, okay. And so you get this, you know, basically um, not only stay inside the lines, but what happens is, is that, and unfortunately I learned this the most in, you know, a, a marriage that didn't work out because um, I, and, and it was, you know, I mean, you read the book, you'll find out that and then there was abuse and criticism and then it escalated to verbal abuse and then escalated to physical abuse. And I just thought, if I just love my husband enough, quote, the good girl, that he would feel better about himself and he wouldn't treat me this way. And unfortunately, it, it wasn't about my behavior. It was about his and, and how he thought about himself, ultimately. But that was the big lesson for me, is that being a good girl wasn't good enough. I still want to be good, so to speak, in that I want to treat people fairly. But I, and I want to treat people, first and foremost, with kindness, and uh, think the best of them first. Let them allow them the opportunity to prove them wrong. But the point is is that I also added to the good girl this bodaciousness, this chutzpah, this leading my own thoughts in life. And if I need to get emotionally uncomfortable to do that, I learned that that's not only okay, it's about being responsible as well. So to me, it wasn't saying it, that I threw the good girl out. Uh, It was simply I added to her repertoire, (laughs) and I think I got a lot of savvier and smarter. And, of course, the word that came into my life is bodacious, so that's what I call it. I now just call it being bodacious.
1: Being bodacious. So I I imagine when, um, and you write in the book, when when people hear the word bodacious, we have a lot of different meanings running through our head. But there's one meaning that really stands out in most head, especially men, but most yeah. people. Yeah. And, and, you, and you addressed it. We're not talking tatas here, as you put it in the book.
0: <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, that's the funny thing. It is a memorable word. Um, and it, that's why it stuck out to me. In, in and how it came into my life is in some of these, you know, moments where I'm being bodacious, but only in my career, my personal life, a colleague of mine gave me a book and it, it, was, it had the word bodacious in the title. And, uh, and that word, that one word just jumped off of that cover. And I went, oh, I love that word because, went, and I looked it up in the dictionary and you'll see words like bold, outstanding, remarkable, audacious, you know, and you won't see the word tatas, but you know, that's what, what people <laughs> say. Uh, and you go back to the movie Officer and a Gentleman and oftentimes is where a lot of women think of it. But you know, you know what tatas are. But the other thing is more and more people say, yeah, you know, that movie about, um, it's like a surfer dude, audacious, you know. So it's interesting the connotations, but yeah. but really it's bold, outstanding, remarkable, audacious, those types of words. And so for me, my short version is positive gutsiness. So it's what I love about this word bodacious is it is about being bold and taking risk. It's also though, it's about doing it in a positive way. It's interesting. You use the word audacious. It doesn't quite have, it kind of has like taken the risk. But the thing with bodacious Mm. is, I say, you can say it fast, like bodacious, or you can say it slow, like bodacious, because you know, you might be from the South and you just like to slow it down and pull it, drag it out. You cannot say bodacious without cracking a smile on somebody's face. And that's what I like about it. And I think, you know, when I think about improv, your specialty, and I think about Mm. this thing of... uh, is that it it just adds a little bit extra where I think it puts me with the other person in a slightly different mindset, you know? And, um, so I, I've always, I've, I've always found that people remember the word and I always encourage people to use it because, uh, we want things that are memorable, things that that stick out, but they were, it's an instant word that reminds me like, yeah, am I, am I, Truly being positive and gutsy. Am I outrageously in charge of my life and loving it right now? What else could I do or do I need to do right now?
1: Yeah, that's so well put. Uh, And I say, I I hear the word, I hear you describe it. But you're describing something that's very scary to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It's a four-letter word and it's called risk. Yes. You're absolutely taking risks. Right. And... That's the bodacious and the audacious, right. Is the ability to take a risk and accept the fact that you might fail.
0: Yeah. But yeah. you still go through it. it right. So, I, 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 you know, here's hopefully some comforting words to anyone who's going, All right, I'm going to do something. I'm going to take a risk. I haven't quite done this exactly like before. Maybe I've never done it at all. I really don't know how it's going to turn out. Two words. Been in that boat. I will be in that boat in the future. So what? So what? That's so what I was. So what? So, you know, here's the thing. I go, and it's kind of funny, but it's true. So if you try something and it doesn't quite work out, so what? You tried. And to me, when I shifted my deaf personal definition of failure, that started to help me a ton. And and my definition is. Simply not trying. So if I try something that I really want to do, I really want to see happen, or I really want to see a ter- particular result, and it doesn't quite work out, I go, but I tried. I-, I I actually took the initiative. And if I say nobody died, we're fine. Okay. So what right. can I learn? What can I do going forward? A lot of times, whenever we do something new, it's a risk. It just is. Right. And the the You know, if we just kind of let get to the numbers, we think about, you know, probabilities and we think about statistics, things like that. First time you do anything new, probably not going to go exactly as planned. Probably not going to be the best, uh, the very perfect outcome. So plan on it. Plan for it not to be the best. So what? You know, and so but just still you can still go for it. And, you know, and I always do. Okay, did it. it, It's either going to be on some range. It was awful. Nobody died. Okay, that's what you can comfort yourself in. Or you go, hey, that worked out pretty well. What can I do better next time? Uh, What would work out? You know, what what do I learn from this and take forward? That whole thing brings the risk and the fear down to size. And um, actually now makes it more, I don't know, even playful. And I love your, you know, your focus of of improv and using yes and because it goes, yes, I tried. And here's what I do different next time. Yes, that worked pretty well, but here, not, eh, sorry, but, yeah, yeah, it's easy to whoop, 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 yeah. whoop, whoop, whoop. Here, and here's how, um, I would change it. So I, I think that just that those two things really, uh, I th- help really help the, the yes. And, and so what, what's next, you know, let's just, exactly. yeah,
1: exactly. I, and someone shared this with me, uh, I don't, last year at some point in time, and they they took FAIL fail and made it into an acronym, Mm -hmm. which stands for First Attempt in Learning.
0: It's a great acronym. I'm far more accurate. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and I don't know if you can see on my whiteboard back here, there in the back, I have it written out. So I see it every day. Yeah. First Attempt in Learning, because I, you know, my mom's listening to this, I'm sorry. Uh, But my dad was not one... (laughs) Of of accepting failure and accepting mistakes, they were not deemed as first attempt and at learning. It was just the absolute opposite, and it's taken me a very long time mm-hmm. to fully embrace the fact of, you know, I, I can fail. That's fine. I'm, I'm going to learn something from it. I'm just going to do some, do it a little bit better next time, and and take that take right. that uh, information that I received. And yeah. uh, doing so, and you all kind of a little. I mean, you've got so much energy, you got so much passion, and you try so many cool different things. Uh, I'm going to invite myself to Thanksgiving dinner uh, this year because you 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 guys have you guys have taken Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner right. to a whole new level. Right.
0: Right. And it, <laughs> I share this some real stories. Uh, of course, stories always uh, help to illustrate anything. But um, you know, I always go. What well, I, I don't need to make up stories because I just need to live life and pay attention. Because you know, stuff happens right. to all of us, whether they happen to us or we we try. Right. So, um, one of the things is about uh, about risk. I think that helps is to have the mentality. I'm going to thrive on change. You know, things aren't going to go, I, I, and I'm going to try. Some, I'm going to try new things and. So try new things that are not, um, you know, don't have a whole lot of negative consequence as well. Um, and it's a great way to kind of get more comfortable and that almost like that risk muscle um, mm-hmm. being uh, more developed. So, uh, for uh, particularly several years in a row, my family. Um, it was, you know, thanks, Thanksgiving, Christmas would come around and it would be the same, you'd have the same, you know, we have our traditions where we always have turkey or we always have stuffing or right. we always have whatever it is. You know, like we grew up, you said, you know, in a Greek family, right? I'm sure there's specific yeah. dishes, you know, um, that you would Wham. have. And, and I, I appreciate those. And sometimes they can be, you can get stuck in a rut. And so... Uh, I had suggested to my family this, uh, you know, for a couple of years to say, let's try a whole new theme. So instead of our traditional meal, I said, one year we said, let's go Italian. So what would the Italians have for, um, for a holiday dinner? And frankly, we'd look it up and go, man, well, that's too, <laughs> that's too mm-hmm. difficult to make, but we would, everything would be different in Italian. And just the fact that we shifted from what we normally would do to a different realm. Then it not only was the food, now it was what's Italian music we could play. Another thing was, uh, you know, Limoncello, which is, you know, a lemon liqueur. Uh-huh. You could have as an after dinner drink. Oh, let's add that to it. So all of a sudden the whole energy around the gathering and the, and the it changed. And of course, you know, it isn't just about the food and the drink. It's about getting together as a family and having a good time together Continuing those relationships uh, and making it s- a special moment. And you make it special in some ways by just changing it up, and everybody gets a different piece of ownership. So we did that one year. Another year, we did Cuban. And so, yes. something that was really funny. So, uh, we're, and we're all, of course, exchanging presents. So, one of the two, two of the funny things to me on that Cuban dinner that happened uh, for a holiday dinner was one, my brother unexpectedly brought. Cuban cigars or cigars for everybody. Now, yeah. I don't normally smoke cigars, neither do my sisters and or my mom, but we were all smoking a cigar. And I had these pictures of us that are hilarious. Then the other thing that happened was um, one of the Christmas gifts that my mom gave me was this, these are uh, the CDs of this of disco hits, right? Just a collection. Now I realize that's not Cuban, but we were all in the move, having a good time. I unwrapped that those CDs, put it in, and we just all started getting up and dancing. Now, this is not what we would normally do in my family. Okay, so it was just being in the moment and having a good time, and you know, all dancing around. And I saw some pictures from that, and I shared. But and and what I loved about that was I, you know, we had not only a good time, but I remember those moments so fondly and. I think it was just about what was the risk? The risk was let's do something different. Will everybody go along? Would everybody like it? So I, I, I kind of sold it, you know, in terms of let's do this. And, you know, here's a different food or here's what else could you bring? And, they, and to their credit, they went along. Um, but I think that's just a, an easy example of how we can add change into our lives And make the idea of trying new things a whole lot more comfortable and enjoyable because, uh, you know, the, the change process, no matter what it is and the, and taking a risk as part of that change, you're going to, it's going to continue on from uncomfortable or downright painful. I mean, there's just no way around it. I want to try to stay on this just uncomfortable, but quickly get some benefit and feel the, the upside of it. And so that was an example of just getting into that mode.
1: Yeah, you, you, you and you relate to it in the book as, as, I believe it's shift and then change.
0: Shift and change, right. Shift, and, shift change.
1: and change. And then on one page of the book, you had shift and change all the way, big, <laughs> you know, big font. And you can't say shift, change five times really quick before something slips. That's right. <laughs> I tried.
0: Right. You you tried. Well, yeah. Yeah. Practice, practice, practice. Right. You know, I mean, I like uh, to say shift and change, shift and change. Our lives are filled with shift and change and it might slip out of shift and change, but, and it's (laughs) true. And again, so what? So, so, so what? So, um, you know, I think we live in a time Where change is happening to us, you know, external circumstances, whether it's the economy or whether it's something geopolitical or whether it's um, all kinds of things just happening so quickly and they will continue to um, that we can't control, but we have to respond to. Then there's what do we want to create in our lives and our businesses and and. Keep in responding to perhaps the marketplace changes or clients' changes, um, where if we're in the off workplace, you really are overall in a company that's responding to an external change. So the point being is, I truly think that your ability to take risks more easily and often, to bounce back, to have the yes and perspective is not just a nice thing. I think it's more and more a critical strategy for not just surviving but thriving. And so that to me is my continued motivation to not only continue to do it in my life, but um, get better and better at it because there's always somewhere I can grow. That's for sure.
1: And, and you're, you're, you're correct about that. And as you talk about this you know, adapting in the workplace mm-hmm. and you've, you've mentioned this comment uh, earlier about being in the moment, being present. Yeah. But the, the, the thing that ties it all together is that Positive energy, that positive mm-hmm. attitude. There's things that out there within the organization you have no control over. And I'm, I'm, I'm tired of hearing people like, oh, they're so stupid up there in the C-suite. Mm-hmm. I would have done something different. And they fixate on it. And right. it's like, but you you can't control that. You can right. make suggestions, but it's outside of your realm. Only worry about things that you can control, your team, your environment, and come in every day with that positive mental attitude, that, that, that passion for what you do, mm-hmm. that will be the biggest gift that you can give. And, and, and those who have done it, oh, okay. I, I, I get it. But some people just can't get there.
0: Right. And, and I know sometimes, you know, personality types are different, you know, and there's chemistry. Sometimes it helps some personalities, you know, right. they're always happy, happy, you know, or easier. They bounce back and others are like, can be, um, you know, there, there, there's true chemical things that some people can be more uh, prone to being depressive um, or uh, and, and see things in a critical light. So there is some chemistry involved. I, I don't want to totally take that out, but here's the other thing. Right. That's a, not but, and here's the other thing. We get what we get, <laughs> right? We get the personalities right. we get, and we have choice. It's a choice of what we want to focus in on, At, like you're saying, instead of saying, right focusing on what are the executives doing? What is my boss doing either? What are even my coworkers am I, are doing? It's what do I want to focus on more on? It doesn't mean we, ha- we can completely ignore those other people or factors. I'm not saying that. I don't think you're saying that no. it's a matter of where am I going to put really the lion's share of most of my focus. And, you know, I guess I have two thoughts on this too. And I to add Peter, and one is, um, when I hear someone cont- continually complain about mm-hmm. other people in other situations, I think to myself, boy, that's a cop-out. That's Ooh. easy. It is so easy. Yeah. It's like, psh, okay, I want to, you know, I just go and, and, and I would go, and then the other would be, so I think that's just a cop-out, you know? And I so what are you going to do about it? Well, they they should do this and this and this. Well, you know, who knows what they're going to do? What are you going to do about your situation and how you're going to respond to it right now? That's what I, you know, care. That That's really the question. Because, so it's not only one, I think it's just a cop out and it's easy. And some people go, oh, no, it isn't. So we're like, It's your life. You get to decide, you know, how are you going to interpret things? How are you going to take things in? Where are you going to focus on? Yeah, it is a cop out. It it is. You know, you may not like hearing it, but Mm. I think it is. The other is, though, and here's the positive side that I go. Why? Why do I want to focus in on things that I can control, do something about? Because, frankly, I want more sanity in my life. Frankly, (laughs) I just want to be happier and I have a choice on my own happiness, and if my happiness is one hundred percent dependent on what other people do, I will never be happy. Be happy, exactly. And, and that's also, so. That's my bigger motivation, you know. But I realize it's not only easier to sometimes stay in the critical mode, uh, it because it, it's a little more work. But you know what's interesting? People, oh, it's just a lot of work to stay positive or to see what's on, you know, what's going right or what I'm going to focus on. I go, yeah, well, what's it getting? What's it getting for you? Not so. I, I guess I go, it's not as hard as you think. You just have to start. You make a choice and you start. If you're not used to thinking in those terms, it's like any habit. It takes effort and and it takes um, continually catching yourself. And in terms of your negative thoughts and going back or asking yourself that question, what can I do about this? How do I want to respond? If it's something simple as that, and over time it becomes easier and more automatic. Now, every time we stop going to the gym, and I just recently resumed, so I'm in the middle of this. I go, "Dang, I wish I hadn't stopped," because it's a (laughs) lot easier to keep going than it is to stop and start again. So there's real effort at first, but the payoff oh my gosh,
1: the payoff is huge. Wouldn't trade it. Yeah, people, you know, we we, we get into these, we, we want to do something and we take it on, but we don't continue it. It's like a, a Simon Sinek uh, once said that just because you attend a leadership conference doesn't make you a leader. Right. It's, <laughs> it's something that you have to practice right. every single day to create that habit. Right. And and I'm, we're all visually motivated and we all need those reminders. And when I first uh, got the concepts of improvisation, it's more than being funny and, and yes. And I would put post-it notes and index cards up with just those two words around, just so it keep in, in front of me at all times. I, I've, and today when I wear uh, French cuff shirts, I've got cufflinks that say yes. And mm. my wife wants to give me another one says yes, dear, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> uh, A a client of mine gave me a a, a bracelet that I wear that says yes, and to keep it in front of me. And I know that you, you have something that you wear and that in your workshops and stuff that after they quote unquote graduate that they wear to help reinforce this, if you could share that.
0: Yeah. So let me tell you about that. So, you know, in all this being bodacious and there's different, you know, terms sometimes people can use for the same kind of concept. Well, You talked about the visual cues, right? All right. Right. So, you know, um, if you're in in the you know at work and you're either getting anxious about something because you're going to take a risk, or you know you're you're just you're having to get up that positive gutsiness again. So here's what I suggest, and hopefully you can see this. All right. So let me see. So first of all, I'm gonna take off my uh, jacket here. Uh
1: oh. Is Uh this woman fine if you're wearing pants?
0: Okay. Here's here it is. (laughs) I am wearing pants, okay? The, but uh, uh, you just have to believe me. All right, I am okay. wearing pants. But all right, okay. so here I'm from the So Amy Cuddy did a yes. great TEDx talk, right? Right. And, and that TEDx talk was all about if we physically change our, um, you know, how we're standing or we're sitting, does that actually chemically change our bodies in a way to help us be more positive or how does it impact our outlook? And so research shows that there are certain body positions that actually can, you can help yourself to have a more positive, gutsy outlook. And so one of them is called the Wonder Woman pose, the power pose. All right. So here you go. So not only do I ask you to do the Wonder Woman pose, I got the cape. All right. So here's the cape. And so the way she talks about it is if you stand here and you've got the Wonder Woman pose, you know, okay, we're going to do it this way. I'm going to do it this way. Mm. I can't do this. All right. <clears throat> And you stand like this, you know, your, your shoulders are back, your hands on your hips, your, your legs are uh, shoulder width apart. And you just look up or you look ahead in a positive way. I'm looking down right now. So I apologize for that. Um, for two minutes. So you mm-hmm. take your phone and you put it on a timer for two minutes. And there's something magical about two minutes. It seems like sh- short period of time, but it's actually a lot longer when you stand there in this pose. Now some women say to me like, Mary, I don't have an I have a cubicle. I said, you know what? That's what bathroom stalls are for. Okay, so you got, and you literally put a smile on your face, and you think about what you're about to do—go into this meeting, or make a presentation, or make a pre- or knock down your microphone—and then, and in two minutes, what happens is actually your testosterone increases, your um, cortisol, which is your stress hormone, decreases. And it therefore changes slightly your body chemistry to be a much more positive risk-taking outlook, okay? So I had to make a choice, right? It starts with a choice. I want to feel more, not just empowered. I want to feel like, oh, I can do this, take this risk. So, you know, you do this for two minutes and you think about this thing you're about to uh, embark on. And then, you know, then you take off your cape, get out of the bathroom stall, and you you go into that meeting, all right. And this was even before I my pants story where I walked in and I, you know, said, All right, you know, your head coach and trainer is here, let's get started. It's the same concept though. And um, so this idea of Wonder Woman continued to play into what I'm doing. Because again, I work with a lot of women entrepreneurs, and so you know, we can really identify with Wonder Woman. Uh it's it, you know, whether we're of uh, you know. When we grew up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, every woman says, oh, I love Wonder Woman. She's, you know, she's great. So, and then of course the new Wonder Woman movie came out. We're all like, finally, that superhero got her own movie. It was a big hit too, by the way. We thought that was really cool. And we all want to be, you know, the 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 actress, her name is what, Jill i And if I've messed her up, I'm so sorry, but we all want to <laughs> look like her too. So anyway, we got to feel like, the point being is this thing of, I can do it. And I can, you know, I, I can continue to forge ahead and I'm kind conf- of fearless. Well, so I actually do when I do my workshop, I have one workshop in particular called Power Up Your Presentations. And it's all about for women entrepreneurs, how do you construct a presentation that for um uh, presentations is a marketing strategy. So you're sharing about your expertise. You're you're giving some very practical takeaways, and then towards the end, you're doing a call to action for those who want more uh, to be able to follow up with you. So it's a great marketing tool. Uh, and w- so when they go through this, t- at the end of the uh, workshop, they get their own red cape, and it's amazing. What if the first time I did this, I thought, oh, you know, I think they'll really like this. You know, that would be kind of cute, right? Oh, I so underestimated, so underestimated, which just shows the power of symbol. So at the very end, I had, I gave them each a certificate. It was called red cape certified. They said, you are now, you know, qualified to power up your presentations. You have what it takes. You have the training. You've also tested it out. And we, and I do this thing where I give them the certificate. I put on their red cape right there. We take a picture and they all stand up straighter. They are beaming and they're owning it. The other thing that I've done is I have my own jewelry here. You had yours and I'll show it. And this is also um, Wonder Woman. All right. Mm-hmm. And I have a six month revenue accelerator program for women entrepreneurs. And this is all about small group experience, what you need to do get a strategic plan and tons of accountability and lots of in the moment problem solving to overall what's the result we want is to increase the number of our clients and increase our revenue well you know there's some wonder woman moments there's some bomos that happen so <laughs> at the end of that 6 month experience and many of them you know repeat as well they get this bracelet and and I wanted to give them something they could wear on an ongoing ba- basis. I mean, let's face it, we're not probably what walk- we're all wearing, red <laughs> cape. but you know you get funky looks a lot of times when you're wearing that red cape all the time, and uh so this bracelet like you wear your bracelet, becomes a reminder to every one of these women that not only can you feel that Wonder Woman, but I also add another meaning, which is, I want you to be able to look at this at any time on your wrist and go, I no longer have to wonder." if I have what it takes to build my business. I no longer wonder if I uh, can create and generate more revenue. I no longer wonder if I can solve, figure out and you know, a, a problem. Certainly gonna get help, certainly gonna reach out, but I don't wonder how to get started and that I it can get resolved and I can move forward. And that's really, really powerful. The other aspect I'll throw in, and this happens to be with this particular symbol, as you can see here, and you see the, the W goes up and down, That's kind of like how our businesses can go, and our sometimes our personal lives can go. They can go up and down. And I go, yeah, but so what? It's pretty good on one side, pretty good on the other. Keep with it. You know, no one dip is is devastating unless you decide to make it devastating. And if it's a major setback, then great, you got a good ways to go up and a lot of opportunity on the upside. And it's a decision. So. I love having these symbols because they do mean something when you attach that symbol to a meaning. And uh, I even had one of the gals who's in the program. And after she got that, her bracelet, literally within a couple of weeks, she uh, came back and she said, Mary, I was, you know, I was out and I had a woman ask me about my bracelet. They, no- She noticed, she goes, oh, is that a Wonder Woman bracelet? She goes, yeah. And she goes, I think that's co- so cool. And she goes, well, I got it. Uh, as a gift because, uh, you know, I'm in this women's accelerator program, but here's what it means. It means to me, I no longer wonder uh, that I know I can build a successful business. And I thought to myself, how cool is that? She owns it. She has her, I, I attach that meaning, but she, that she attached that meaning as well. And um, so I, I think there's power in that symbol, but again, these are all cues to the same idea you have it with Yes, and I have it with Wonder Woman with Bodacious. I mean, I could, I wrote another book called Live Like Your Nail Color, even if you have naked nails. There are metaphors everywhere. Just pick one and make it work for you.
1: And, and speaking of which, I, I see that um, you're not wearing wild berry today, you're going naked nails today. Naked.
0: Naked, yep. right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> That's right. So I'm being, as I, you know, when I say, naked nails, you know, being your true, authentic self, show it to the world. It's right here. All right, people. You yes. haven't seen my toes, though. They're colored silver, just saying.
1: I, I, as I was, you start off the book, talk about wild berry and the nails and stuff. Yeah, I do. Right. And, and I went, maybe I should go get some nail polish and polish my nails wild berry.
0: <laughs> I learned. I'm just saying, just, just show up, you know, get a, get a pedicure. Okay. Do it so that it's in your shoes, you know, socks, you know, here's the funny thing. Uh, I did another, I did a survey of women uh, about do you do your fingernails more, your toenails more um, or neither. And, and then why, what was the why? Here's an interesting fact. Interesting fact for me was that the majority of women are you know are naked on their fingernails, mm. but they paint their toenails. And when I ask them why, the overall response is it's for me. Mm. So a lot of people won't see it. Right, it might not be summertime and I flip flops on or you know open toe shoes. I do it for me. And I found that fascinating. I was like, you go, girl. You right, doing that right. So you could do it for you too, Peter. Okay. Yes, and you could.
1: Well, will you? Well, <laughs> Are are you going to attend uh, Influence uh, in July?
0: So, yes. So, those are listening, the the National Speakers Association annual conference or convention is called Influence. And uh, yes, I am going to, I'm going to, and we always have it in a warm place. It is July. It's hard to find a cold place in the United States. So, I believe it's in Dallas, Texas this year. Uh, Enough that, you know, at some point, you could have some sandals on, Peter. I'm just saying. All right.
1: I, I'm just saying that I may just go ahead and paint my toenails for the conference. Yeah. Okay. All and, right. And I have to since I've now have this aired out there. I'll have to do it. I'll find you. I'll take off my shoes and go uh-huh. see. It's just for me.
0: Uh huh. Okay. And so here's another. And and it's just for me. And you could call that polish. I don't care what color it really is. You enter and whatever name it came with it. We'll just get rid of that. Okay. And we'll call it. The yes and how about that? Oh, perfect. Oh, yes and polish.
1: Yes and polish. <laughs> Bingo. Exactly. Yes,
0: and I'm wearing nail polish. That's what all the men are going to say. Why is what? What's going on here, Peter? Yes, you're right. That's what you're seeing. Polish on my toes, and
1: I'm loving it. And loving it big time, <laughs> Mary. I can't thank you enough. We could talk. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing an influence and continued conversation. I, I we ju- we just met back in November in Phoenix. And I uh, had a great conversation. And remember, Keith The guy yes. who was staying up. He, uh, I interviewed him. With, um, he was his episode went live uh, about two, or three weeks ago, and had a great time. The three of us had a great time that night. I'm glad our paths crossed. I'm looking forward to seeing you again, and at least in July at Influence and catching up. And and I've had so much fun. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so very much for taking time out to spend with me. You're
0: welcome. Thank you so much, Peter. It's been a delight.
1: I would like to thank Mary again for sharing her inspiring stories and her humor. Clearly, my favorite story was the one where she forgot her pants. It had to improvise, and she made it work. Also, I will keep my word, and I will have painted toenails at the National Speakers Association Annual Convention in Dallas this year. In episode 93, I interviewed Ted Janis, who provides a wealth of knowledge on how to stand out from your competition in your marketing strategy. Thank you for listening, and always remember to use the principles of improvisation to help you better connect and communicate with those in your organization and in your life.